0: Hey, everybody, this is Gene Marks, and welcome to the Paychecks Business Series podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I had a great conversation with Carolyn Lee. Carolyn is the executive director of the Manufacturing Institute. The Manufacturing Institute is related to the National Association of Manufacturers. And you know what they deal with is people and labor, our number one biggest issue, and not just if you're a manufacturer, but for anybody in all different industries. So I'm talking to Carolyn, or I did talk to Carolyn also about some of the programs that they have got, which I think could really help you, particularly if you're a manufacturer, help you find veterans, help you have more diversity and inclusion in your workforce, programs to help you locate more women, female workers for your business, uh, people that are coming out of prison, all sorts of places for you to find workers and also resources to help you retain your workers as well so listen labor is our number one issue and carolyn's got a lot of answers about your labor issues so carolyn thanks so much for joining me today i'm really 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 happy to have you on
1: thanks gene for having me i'm really excited to be here with you
0: so you are the executive director of the manufacturing institute so let's start off with that what exactly do you guys do
1: Sure. So the Manufacturing Institute is the workforce development and education partner. Uh, We're a 501c3 public nonprofit. And we are attached to uh, the National Association of Manufacturers, which is the nation's largest industrial trade association. So the MI, our mission is to inspire, educate, and empower the workforce of today and tomorrow. And so out of everything that unites the manufacturing sector at, at large the workforce is at the center. And we know that workforce is the thing that's gonna keep us competitive in a global economy. So that is what we focus on.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's what this whole conversation is gonna be is, is about workforce. It is the number one issue um, for, for every small and mid-sized business around the country. Um, not just manufacturers. You know, um, before we we actually started recording, you and I were talking about sort of differences in generations. Um, there was just I don't know if you saw it or not, but just like a couple of weeks ago, SCORE, which is like an arm of the Small Business Administration, they came out with a survey uh, that that a report that said that um more than half of the business owners in the u.s are over the age of 55 right so they're like guys like me i'm like 56 you know so different generations have different sort of points of view when it comes to their workforce and i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that
1: yes and and with with the fear and the i guess the setup of you know we hate to generalize entire generations however You know, there are themes that run through different generations of experience who baby boomers right out of the, uh, World War Two, inspir- their experience was highlighted by that, but really the rise of, um, you know, big, big corporations and and you know, Generation X, which I'm a member of, and I was joking before with you, you know, I, I, I'm a member of Generation X, but I speak Baby Boomer, you right. know, and, and our generation, it was, you know, you, you work your way up, you find a way, you see what comes, and we're just all lucky we have a job, and I can hear my, my dad generation telling me that. Uh, millennials and, and Gen X and Gen Z, you know, I'm sorry, Gen Z and Gen Y, you know, mm-hmm. they really, and this is this is actually, I think, a fantastic change and evolution. They are excited about the cause. Why are they doing what they're doing? What are they a part of? It's fantastic when you think about your culture. You, and, and this is what's across all of manufacturing. If you say to a manufacturer, what do you make? You know, they they get really excited and they'll dive in and tell you why they do what they do and how they do it. Well, why, why does that matter? And how do we engage the next generations in being excited about manufacturing? The why really matters. But the other thing that's really come through in the research is and and we just released a study with the American Psychological Association about retention and highlight some of this these findings you know um, employees want to know what the opportunities are ahead of them. And we're in this big fight for talent. And I know we'll talk more about that. We're in this huge fight for talent. There's all these open jobs more than ever before in manufacturing. And so retention is really key. And what employees are telling us is how they feel about how where they work, how they feel about their job prospects and their opportunities, how they feel about the culture and that they're able to bring their best ideas, their best selves to work, all really matters. And what's, what's great is in Instead of thinking of that as like, that's a lot of work for us to do, it's a huge opportunity to keep the talent you're cultivating and giving them a road, you know, a roadmap, a ladder to the next steps. And, you know, the, that next best employee you have is of course an employee you already are have on your team and it's elevating them and bringing them along and upskilling them to the next role. So, you know, all of this is telling us that the this, I guess the psychology behind these next generations, mm-hmm. they're excited to be part of something. And that's a cool thing for manufacturing.
0: Yeah, it really is. And, you know, it's funny with manufacturers today as well as people that own businesses. I mean, they they have to understand that the workforce is now like 50% made up of people that are millennials and younger. Um, and, you know, you either adapt to that or you're going to be missing out on a lot of great talent and people always poop. I remember right before the pandemic, um, you know, there, there was a whole big thing before the pandemic about working from home and having flexibility and mobility, you know, and, and that was being driven by younger workers, you know. Um, and how dare they want to spend more time with their families and have more of a flexible schedule and getting their job? Who do they think they are? And that's like a generational thing. Then COVID comes. Everybody is forced to send their workers home. And suddenly I've got all these people that I know, clients of mine that are of a, you know, my age and older that are like, huh, those millennials were kind of right. You know, they, we can get the work from home as long as it's balanced. So I just think it's really important to listen to, to, you know, to that generation, um, and understand what their priorities are. Absolutely. you know, I think, look, I, I had a hard time too with the idea of well,
1: what, what don't, we need to get everybody together and solve these problems and be in a room and be together. and you know the the work, the institute it's it's complicated. it's integrated. We have programs all across the country. We are helping solve, you know workforce development challenges across the sector and in, in all different categories. And so you know I worry, well, how do we do it if we're not together sharing those ideas? Well, uh-huh. all these technologies that are bringing us together today, and if anything, I think one of the, I hate to say bright spots of COVID, but one of the silver linings perhaps Mm -hmm. of the tragedy of this last year has been the ability to accelerate into the technology usage and realizing that we can be productive, we can get more done, we can reach more people, right? And work. And so therefore for an employer, you can engage the best people, not just the person who's down the road. And so when you adopt the technology, a lot of opportunities
0: unfold so you're the manufacturing institute you know is, is part of the national Association of manufacturers and you're all about workforce so you've got some programs that you guys are are championing and i want to i want to talk about these programs because i think if, if you're listening to this right now and you're a manufacturer These are the kind of things that you need to be aware of or take advantage of if you're trying to recruit and retain good people. And even if you're not a manufacturer, I mean, a lot of these things really do overlap. So the first one um, has to be about diversity and inclusion. So first of all, give me your thoughts on the importance of diversity and inclusion, and and tell me what the Institute is doing to try and help your members uh, create a more diverse workforce.
1: Sure. So let's let's set the stage here. So um, last month, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics at the Department of Commerce, we had eight hundred and fourteen thousand open jobs, and that is the highest level of open jobs. I think it's a second. We were at eight hundred and fifty two the previous month, so all time records. Going into the pandemic, we had about 500,000 open jobs. We've been hovering about a half million for most of the last two years. So we know we've had a a skills gap, but really a talent gap and Mm -hmm. and a people shortage. For manufacturing, we don't have enough people who recognize these are jobs that they would want. And then we have a mismatch with the skill sets for the opportunities that we have. And so diversity and inclusion is a, is a big piece of that. So you see Rosie behind me here. Um, you know, Rosie the Riveter, you know, classic, everyone knows this. Women came to fill jobs in factories when the men were sent off to World War II. And, and unfortunately, although we had a, this, this period of time where women were driving the manufacturing sector, of course, during the war, women are only about 29% of the manufacturing workforce today, although we're 47% of the overall labor force. Mm -hmm. So how do we close the gender gap is a huge issue for us in manufacturing. With 814,000 open jobs or half million open open jobs, we're not going to be able to solve this challenge if we're only talking to a portion of the population. And so, as you look at all the the dimensions of diversity, and we do work and focus on multiple dimensions, yes, it's race, yes, it's gender, yes, it's ethnicity, but it's also ability and age. So, people with differing cognitive abilities, how do we bring them into manufacturing careers? How do we bring people with different physical abilities? Mm -hmm. So that really our sector is able to welcome talent from all walks of life in, in the labor force. We're also beginning work on second chance population, all of those people who have come out of incarceration, how do we bring them into productive careers and let them develop their own futures? So as you look at DI, it's really a math problem. If we're only talking to a portion of the population, we're not going to be able to fill the gap. But it's also, of course, the right thing to do. Companies mm-hmm. should aspire to have their workforces reflect their local population. It's not that every community is the same. We know that's not the case, but we know that through research and through engagement that There are different ways to engage underrepresented populations and how to make that successful so that when you attract that talent you're able to retain them going back to the retention discussion but at the heart of this it's competitiveness people with differing perspectives experiences abilities all make for a more in, more innovative workplace. And those companies who have more diverse boards, more diverse leadership have been correlated to better returns. So it all feeds in together. It's the right thing to do. It's the economic benefit thing to do. And quite honestly, we're not gonna be able to fill these jobs if we're not talking to the entire population. That's why diversity and inclusion for companies of all sizes is becoming even a greater, um, a greater focus.
0: So, Karen, what does that mean talking to the entire you know population? I mean, you you know, you've asked a lot of questions like, how do we do this? How do we be more diverse? How do we include more? How do we have more you know you know female workers? Um, how do we do that? I mean, what what do you tell your members? I mean, how do they how do they go about you know building more diversity? Fantastic question. So, with women, um, what we've learned over
1: research that we began actually in two thousand six is that women are looking for the role models, the mentors, the um, the the glass shatterers right ahead of them, so they can see and they can they can build their pathways, and that they have people who are the trailblazers that they can follow. So mm-hmm. now. People think of that and they think about CEOs and executive suite, yes, that matters, but it's not the only thing. It's the team leaders, the supervisors, that next step in your career, knowing that you're here as entry level, but here's somebody who's the next step up. Having that role model is just as important as the CEO, the executive. So we have to build that network of engagement so that women can have um, other women to learn from, to, to work through challenges with, and also that when they reach a tough stage, they're able to blaze through because they have that support. So that's with women. But what we know across all underrepresented populations is that, um, and and take youth, you know, we've known for a long time and have worked on prep programs for a long time about how do you build ambassadors? You know, an 17, 15-year-old, 17-year-old in high school, they're not going to relate to me as a a middle-aged mom, you know, um, they want to talk to or a CEO because they might never think that they can become a CEO. What Mm -hmm. they want to do is they want to hear from about. The opportunities in the jobs and people they relate to. So, the 22 year old who was in high school just a couple of years ago, that person who just came out of a school program, out of a, out of a community college or a bachelor's degree, that is something they've aspired to. So, that relatable ambassador is really key. So, take that and, and broaden it out. If you're talking to a, a racially underrepresented community in, in a company, you know, in a community, um, in a region, having someone from your company talk about what their experience and how they've grown that role model matters it's it's been a huge boon to us in the veteran community having veteran manufacturer have veterans who are manufacturing employees talk to transitioning service members and other in the military community as part of our heroes make America initiative has been transformational because mm-hmm. those who have served have had a very specific experience and ha- talking to people who they can relate to in the manufacturing sector who say this is how I transitioned this is how I did it this is how these Skills have come to bear really makes a difference in making them see, okay, there's an opportunity for me here. So, you know, all of these facets, it's really about communication, it's about how you engage, and it's about making sure that people, you know, have that relatable role model. And as one education professor, professional told me um, when I began in this job uh, in Michigan a couple of years ago, you can't be what you can't see. So, how do we bring those people forward so to inspire that next generation? And all that's Really key, particularly when you're talking about DNI.
0: That is a great answer. I think you've given this answer before. I just have that feeling, um, <laughs> Carolyn, What is what is fame?
1: FAME. FAME is the Federation for Advanced Manufacturing Education. And it was founded by Toyota in 2010. They, they built their own program to solve a maintenance technician gap that they had in Georgetown, Kentucky. And right. so Toyota created this to train global best maintenance technicians. And so when it comes to Toyota, of course, global best matters. And so they had built this, home grew it, and then expanded it to include other local companies, parts of their supply chain throughout Kentucky. And in 2019, uh, in the fall, we were that Toyota transitioned the program officially to the Manufacturing Institute for Future Stewardship. You know, they see what the, the tremendous success that FAME has been. About 400 companies are participating in the program today. It is an earn and learn model. You're going to school while you're getting this technical training, um, while you're also working, and you're learning about basic manufacturing core exercises, so things that are specific to the manufacturing culture, the graduation rates and the retention rates of FAME students is tremendous um, truly phenomenal about 85% of those graduate who enter the program and and they're hired by the companies that sponsor them so for this participant for the student you come out with an associate's degree um, skills and in an in-demand in you know high skilled career you're you have no college debt you know, and you probably have a job from the company that sponsors you and you're already a leg up. And so, um, and for the companies you're growing and investing in your own talent and the retention there has been tremendous. So FAME today is focused on the advanced maintenance technicians. So the those who take care of all the automated equipment that you mm-hmm. have in the facility, but it's not just manufacturing, it's hospital systems, it's distribution centers, it's grocery stores because all sectors of the economy have automated uh, equipment today. And so FAME is training for that but we're looking forward to expand that to other skill sets again to create global best skill sets for the, the advanced, um, for the 4.0 manufacturing world. So but it's fantastic is- right now. We're operating in 13 states. And if you want to learn more, you can go to um, the manufacturinginstitute.org and look up FAME and go to their website and find the locations. But it's really, it's a local collaborative and we're supporting the national program. So we're building the solutions in partnership
0: with local entities to make sure that we have the skilled workers we need. Does, um, does the FAME program help the workers get jobs when they finish, you know, the program itself?
1: So you're sponsored by a company to come in. You've been recruited and selected and sponsored. Um, about 85% of those who uh, participate in fame are hired by the company who sponsored them. The rest are picked up by other companies locally because, again, high demand, high high demand set. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think we have any concern at all about people coming out that had a job. It's kind of which job. But we have these fantastic stories of these 20, 21-year-olds saying, okay, I bought my first house. You know, I bought my, I bought my car. I'm the first one to go get a degree in my com- in my family, and look where I am with a two-year degree, and I have this high wage job. Within five years of graduation, according to a study that came out last year, five years of graduation for those who came through the Kentucky Fame uh, program um, at Georgetown, they've got uh, almost a $100,000 salary, That's annual incredible. salary. And, you know, five years out of college, I didn't have a $100,000 salary. So, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot to be gained by the program, and it's got fantastic outcomes and a fantastic track record.
0: You had mentioned earlier about your second chance hiring program. So tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so, you know, um, tra- tragically, you know, we have this huge skills gap. Um, we are fighting for people uh, across the economy. I think the entire economy coming out of COVID, whether it's service sector, it's manufacturing, all of us need more talent. And um, tragically, there's this talent that's been sitting on the sideline. About one in four Americans have some experience with the criminal justice system, um, some some record, if you will, that will prevent that is preventing them from gainful employment. And so our second chance hiring initiative, which is supported by the Charles Koch Institute and Stand Together um is really to how do we build the network so that companies can engage locally with organizations to support those who are ready, who are coming out of uh, the criminal justice uh, system, to, who are ready to transition to a career? They need a lot of supports. They, this might be their first job. They have you know, parole officers. They might have a transportation barrier or um, housing where they're getting back on their feet. How do you give the, the, the potential employee the supports, which is happening through the uh, social services sector, nonprofits that are doing tremendous. Work across the country. How do we partner them with manufacturers and community support organizations to make sure that that potential employee is can be successful? And how does the employer um, work to make sure that they're allowing for the flexibility they meet, might need for court visits or for other sure. other parts of the transition process? And um, what's amazing is that when we launched this back in, I think it was April. We had tremendous outcry from manufacturers all across the country, of all sizes, saying we want to tap into this talent. We really want to know how to do this and do this the right way. It is not only the morally correct thing to do, but it's in our economic interest to tap into the widest population. And so we've been excited about the number of companies that have come forward who are learning from others who are trailblazers in this area and able to institute these programs locally. And so it's something we're really excited about.
0: All right, I mean, first of all, so we've talked about diversity and inclusion. We've talked about FAME, right? The Federation for Advanced Manufacturing Education. We've talked about second chance hiring. You have other programs I wanna get, we're not gonna have enough time to do it all. So I'm gonna pick, um, let me pick another one. Um, how about the STEP Women's Initiative? What, yeah, what so is Steph that?
1: I alluded to a little bit before yeah. um, when, I, when I talked about d more broadly. So only 28% of the, 28, 29% of the manufacturing workforce today is made up of women. Right. Close the gender gap by 10% we will close the overall skills gap in the sector by 50%. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to look at the entire pipeline and step ahead. Our our, uh, main initiative is about honoring and elevating the role models of those who are leading today. So those who are, who are those trailblazers, but it's also those emerging leaders. So you have the honorees who are the established leaders. You have the role models um, of the emerging leaders who are that younger worker under 30, who then give more of a role model to those new workers starting in but really it's about changing the dynamic building that network building that connectivity and then through our step forward initiative which is the regional events it's helping localities and regions and companies Work to solve challenges locally that are keeping women from the workforce, but our work has to extend down through a, a partnership with um, the, uh, Union Pacific through a grant from them. We're actually piloting a program. We're working with community colleges and high school girls, connecting them into manufacturing through manufacturing career awareness, and then helping use the STEM the the Step Network to see if we can help pull them into manufacturing and give them more awareness. You know, we've got to go all the way back to middle school. Girls start dropping out of STEM fields as yep. early is fourth grade. And so how do we get girls in elementary school in middle school be aware of the opportunities to be a creator and an innovator to help them find the path that allows them to succeed in this field. So we need to build the supply, but we've got to also make sure that our, we're able to retain that talent and attract them in. So we're working across all those fronts. Step is one of the the um, most fun things that we do. It's yeah. the- I can
0: tell it's near and dear. But you've got
1: all of this pipeline that we've got to build.
0: Sure. One final program, though. What about the Heroes Make America program? What is that?
1: Yeah, so Heroes is a really special program. So we started in 2018, Manufacturing Institute. And the goal was, you know, we have all of this veteran talent. um, Mm -hmm. And we've seen over the last decade since 9-11, that population, oh, up and down of their unemployment for our veterans. And so we really want to engage. Manufacturers said this is a talent pool, they really wanted to engage. And so we created our Heroes Make America initiative. And there we are training, originally the, the signature program, we're training transitioning service members in manufacturing skills and then helping them get professional skills and professional development. So they're able to transition to the manufacturing careers. We are operating at four bases today mm-hmm. and um, we are training them in, in core you know, pieces to get them familiar with the sector and to give them those skill sets so they're ready day one to get on the the shop floor. What we thought we were building for early, you know, four to eight years of service, we've been amazed by the fact the talent coming into Heroes Make America is really spanning the entire military's uh, career. So we have some who have been in for 20, 30 years. We have some who have been in for four. And that talent is being sucked up by manufacturers who want to have, you know, those who have served who have communication skills and know to show up on time and know how to wear protective gear and know how to work with teams come into our sector and so stay tuned because there's more news coming from heroes
0: now on all these different programs when you mentioned about all the unfilled jobs that are out there in the manufacturing industry that you know let alone all the other industries that are also suffering from employees and everybody asks me um where do I go to find employees? Where can I find good people? Where can I find good people? So we've mentioned about your diversity and inclusion program. We've mentioned about the Federation for Advanced Manufacturing Education, right? You know, we're teaching students um, specialized skills, second chance hiring. So these are workers coming out of prison. Step Women's Initiative, we're building a network to get more women involved in manufacturing and Heroes Make America, which is, you know, for veterans, right, To, to get them out of the military and into productive service in the private sector. These are, to me, these seems like all programs. If I was a manufacturer of any size, um, I'd probably be reaching out to the manufacturing institute and saying, look, I, I I need help filling my ranks. You know, you know, what can I do to get involved in these programs so I can get some resource? Am I, am I right in saying that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're happy to have them. You know, these programs are built for companies of all sizes. But here, look, the main message of the sector right now is Creators Are Wanted, as I have here on my jacket. Yeah. You know, it's our largest campaign. We're running this with the National Association of Manufacturers, and we're looking to change the perception of manufacturing. We're looking to engage manufacturers of all sizes across the country to tell their story about their workers and their opportunities that they have at their at their places of business, and then help recruit in the next generation, match them with skills training and help them find the pathway. Manufacturers are, are humble people. We have had our head down, just making our, our products, and we've got to tell our story, and we've got to tell about the innovation and about the experience, about the the employee morale, the culture, why what we do matters so much. I think on you know talking about silver linings of COVID, if there if there can be, manufacturing's never been so front and center in, in everyone's daily lives. From the toilet paper shortage last year to which was just a, a you know um, a hoarding slash supply chain issue to you know, the PPE and the vaccines sure. that are going to allow us to, you know, restart our lives again and, and jumpstart the economy. All of that has been brought to us by modern manufacturing. And that's the story we're looking to tell and creators want it. So we need the support and the engagement of manufacturers of all sizes. Not everyone wants to work for the largest companies in the world. Many right. people want to work in a family business and know that what they do matters. And we have that in spades, but we have to tell the story so that the next generation or those who are looking for a a different career who might have been dislocated by the pandemic or those coming out of the, the correction system or out of the military know that creators are wanted and needed here in manufacturing. Everyone knows manufacturing is what keeps the economy and the nation strong, but we've got to do a better job of telling our story to recruit in the workforce.
0: Carolyn Lee is the executive director of the Manufacturing Institute. Carolyn, I have your uh, like website of, of NAM.org, but is there one more specific? Yeah, sure. Them? That's
1: that's the, the, mother the Association uh, website. Manu- Ours is the Manufacturing Institute And you can also go to CreatorsWanted.org to learn about these programs and our nationwide tour that we're going to launch in September.
0: That sounds great. Hey, listen, we're going to have you back at some point because there's some employee issues that I would love to go okay, over. Okay, that's and, next. And and uh, we'll have you back to talk about that in the future. Carolyn, thank you so much for your time. You. I appreciate it very much. And guys, if you're listening, um, if you need any advice, tips, help for running your business, please visit us at paychecks.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. It was a great conversation with Carolyn. My name is Gene Marks. I'm glad you joined us today and we look forward to you joining us again in the future. Take care. This podcast is property of Paychex, Inc. 2021. All rights reserved.